0: Slash and cast.
1: Twins are in, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Minnesota, well, uh, the first, round, Minnesota, Cubs first are, round losers,
2: Cubs are doing really great in August, and then uh, September has been an absolute shit show, so we'll, <sighs> we'll see what happens.
1: Okay, so you've you feel my typical pain, okay? Yeah, good to know. Uh,
2: well, I haven't made the playoffs in quite some time, but, anyways. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle with Scare, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Tonight, we are wrapping up our deep dive into iatrophobia in horror, which is the extreme fear of doctors or medical tests. But before I introduce tonight's film, just a few general reminders. Of course, you can stay connected with us. Over on X at Handle with Scare, and be sure to join us every Tuesday for our Twisted Tuesday Watch Parties, which are held over on Kick every Tuesday at 7:30 p.m. Pacific Time over at Kick.com forward slash Totally Drunk. With that being said, joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host Grindhouse Zombie and Zombie. uh, You know, tonight we are going to pull a little Twin Magic Cronenberg style. And, uh, you know, we've we've obviously we've done so much Cronenberg movies uh, over the course of the podcast uh, so far. This is one that we haven't touched. Uh, It's definitely one that I hadn't revisited in quite some time. And, uh, you know, sure enough, uh, we we got to one of the uh, particular uh, sex scenes in this movie. And I just started cackling to myself because I'm like, oh, God, I completely forgot about this. So we basically had back-to-back weeks uh, where there was a little bit of kink play uh, coming into it. And I just knew immediately that, you know, Jess is going to be absolutely beside herself on that front. Uh, But, you know, there's... There's a lot of interesting things about this movie, especially with the twin dynamic, which we'll get into, Uh, but I'm ready to dive right in tonight. But I know you're a little underweather, so, uh, you know, we'll see where that takes us tonight. You know, it could be a long discussion, might be a short discussion. I don't know, but either way, you know, I I thought this would be a a really good one to revisit, just knowing that there were already nods to this movie in the uh, like alternative pick that I already had selected. So I'm just like, fuck it. We'll just do dead readers. And, uh, then we'll be on to all of the holiday fun for Halloween.
1: Yeah. So, um, if you can hear me now, you probably understand that my voice does not sound like it normally does. Um, okay. So Cronenberg, right. Um, we had a little discussion on the last episode. Um, and i am a generally a pretty unapologetic cronenberg fan up until the remake of crimes of the of the future came out and then i found myself being a lot less apologetic <laughs> um i it's it's hard for me to say that i didn't enjoy a movie and then i couldn't find anything that was you know worth some sort of salvation in and that one was definitely it now dead ringers has an awesome dynamic jeremy irons is fucking fantastic in it i mean there's no there's no getting around that he's fucking fantastic in it Uh, you you break this one right down to the end for me personally this movie is boring as hell (laughs) it is just boring um it had been forever i mean it decades since i'd watched this movie um and I was super surprised i I'm, I'm just not interested um and I really wanted to be because I'm a Cronenberg fan i you know i am a huge fan of scanners I'm a huge fan of video drome i am a super huge and completely unapologetic fan of the movie crash um you know we should get uh Jess to watch that one because I'm curious as to what you think about that um, this, uh, yeah this movie was just boring man it was just it didn't keep my interest and that's surprising for a Cronenberg movie for me
2: yeah so for those that don't know uh, Dead or came out in 1988 uh, and it follows identical twin brothers who work at the same uh, gynecology practice you know one is attracted to uh, many of his patients and has affairs with them uh, and then, of course, when he loses interest, he tosses them over to his brother uh, without the women knowing the difference. Uh, so Beverly ends up falling hard for one of the patients. But when she deceives him, uh, he slips into a state of madness. Now, you know, I, I have a few, like... Notes in regards to like what this movie is actually based upon, because there there is some basis uh you know to reality here when it comes to the twin brothers and the whole practice. Uh so we had the Mantle Brothers, uh who were uh based on real-life twins Stuart and Cyril Marcus. Uh they were both accomplished women's health professionals. Um, who had resided in New York City, until they mysteriously died in the 1970s, both at the age of 45. Uh, now, the Marcus wins mainly fixated on the research, making them, you know, incapable of forming any sort of meaningful connection. And, uh, you know, there are definitely elements that were uh, pulled from the real life story, and of course, you know Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood eyes into uh, into this because we do have uh, quite a bit of uh, quarreling going on in regards to this being kind of like a more of a psychosexual uh, love story, for for lack of a better terminology. Uh, but unlike in the movie, the brothers weren't identical twins, uh, but you know they still had you know in uncanny resemblance to one another. Uh, Much like in a movie, they were always wearing formal workplace attire, uh, which, you know, kind of like gave them that superiority complex above their peers. And, uh, you know, they were well-respected in their field, and they would established their own private practice in the 1970s. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, we we do have a lot of parallels in the sense of, you know, they also were dealing with drug addiction. Uh, You know, they became addicted to uh, amphetamines as well as uh And their once pro- uh, prospering business had floundered uh, by the 1970s. And, of course, you know, they had their the higher-ups basically urging them, hey, you got to, you know, get yourself clean or resign from your position. And, you know, they did try to uh, rehabilitate themselves without any sort of, like, professional assistance on that end. And, of course... Uh, very similar to what we see in the movie, that does not pan out so well for either of them. But what's really interesting is their deaths. There was a lot of uncertainty about like how it happened. So in July of 1975, their bodies were discovered in their apartments. Uh, it just just god awful conditions. You know, they were surrounded by trash. There was soiled furniture, dirty dishes everywhere, a ton of food scraps, uh, and of course, among all of that filth there were dozens of empty bottles of barbiturate. uh so of course there was a lot of like theories going around about like oh you know maybe their deaths were accidental overdose maybe they had uh, orchestrated uh basically killing themselves together as part of a suicide pact but there really weren't any illicit uh substances found in their system when they were doing the autopsy <laughs> Uh and yep, you know, turns out they had basically died from drug withdrawals.
1: <laughs> so Well <laughs> the one the one brother as I read it, the one brother had died of our bit barbiturate overdose. Um, but the second brother and they, they put their times of death at somewhere like three to four days apart. Mm, right. So everything that I've read says that the second brother, Cyril basically because they because it, Cyril was was the one who was really trying to get off the drugs and apparently had and they didn't find much of anything in his toxicology report. and so I, it's it's like I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like the one brother died of a broken heart or something like that mm-hmm. or that that twin separation that you I mean and, and to this day, you still hear about it. you hear about people that are twins that die within minutes of each other and it's like you know in their 80s 90s whatever and they just you know they're that reaching hand across the gurneys and that one dies and then minutes later the other one and it's mm-hmm. like so maybe there's maybe there's some kind of connection that we don't know about hopefully someday somebody studies that yeah i wouldn't, has
2: I wouldn't say that like that's specific to twins either because that happens with a lot of loved ones
1: it happens uh, with married couples too often too when you when you develop a long-term connection and then you have husband and wife that have been married for 65 years and they die 45 minutes apart yeah i think you're right yeah um so the story is interesting there's just not there's not a lot of good cohesive information out there there's a lot of speculation but there's definitely i mean until i see like a, for me until i see it a, like a, a, a death certificate i'm not going to believe anything that i read or see because there's a lot of things out there and a lot of people that love to speculate
2: of course <laughs> uh so That's- much like in a the film there was a uh, a power dynamic between the two as well uh so cyril was always the one who uh had all the aspirations and accomplishments uh which would usually and it, you know he would always come second to like Sbert, who was really the one who was like always thriving in the spotlight uh but one of the things that I really like about Dead Reiner is just at its core is, you know, it, it's really a film about separation and really the catastrophe of individuality. You know, there's Cronenberg always does this thing when, when it comes to. Uh, he The way that he inflicts pain uh, to distort character is always kind of like at the forefront of, of a lot of his movies Uh, And for the twins, you know, there really is no difference between, you know, sex and science. There's just this obsession with this idea of bodily perfection. And, you know, finding no fault in, you know, the tools or the instruments in this case, uh, but always finding all of the imperfections in the human body. Uh, And of course, you know, like there's. There, there's that point in, in in the movie when, you know, they're talking about the one uh, C-list actress's vagina, <laughs> you know, where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's a little bit more to it. And then, you know, they do the whole like mutant like subplot, which is just like, I, I don't, you know, it's it's one of those scenes where it's like, OK, well, like it's well, this isn't an X-Men movie, by by any means. But then they just turn so barbaric with the. Uh, with the equipment later on in in the movie, and of course, you know they actually like put it on display, uh, you know at one of the uh, local like exhibits, which was pretty interesting. But you know, all in all, you know there 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 are some great pieces to this movie. But for Cronenberg, it seems like in this movie, obviously we're not as heavy into. You know, any of the body horror outside of like the one dream sequence that we have, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I feel like so much of this movie works solely because of the actor. Because so many so many people like turn this movie down. And I don't know if it was because they were afraid to take on the role just because they were playing two different roles, uh, because, you know, you are playing identical twins and having to have, like, different nuances between the two seemed like uh, like it could be a pretty daunting task. Maybe they just weren't comfortable playing the role of a gynecologist, you know, or, you know, maybe they were just trying to uh, steer clear of, you know, the message that it was trying to portray in this movie. But either way, uh, Irons was definitely really like the the glue for like this entire thing
1: oh God hell yes he was um well so like I said earlier the dynamic in this movie is is spectacular so you're you're two twins two renowned doctors but then you're the twin who uh, spends his life getting his brother's sloppy seconds mm-hmm. so it's like that that can't be good for your psyche right and the one time that you get one of those sloppy seconds and and you develop a relationship with her and you quote unquote fall for her you know she's also an actress that travels the world and goes to different places and so i think you said it i think the separation is the big thing and you're right about the body horror in this there's not a lot there just isn't a lot of body horror there's more really needlepoint psychological horror in this um that i think people can relate to, and. I want to preface my earlier comments about how boring this movie was with the fact that I am sick as shit and I can barely fucking think. I'm lucky I went to work with pants on today. Um, So, I'm guessing that if I were to come back in a week and rewatch this, I probably would get all of the psychological elements of it. I mean, I got a few. I I, I didn't get all of them, I'm guessing. Um, But at the same time, the dynamic with the brothers and with Jeremy Irons playing, I mean there are parts of it that are so good that there are scenes where I can't tell which brother he's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So I think that says something about the acting. And I know that they tried to do things like they tried to give him two dressing rooms as like the two different characters and, and like, he didn't like that. He thought it was just too confusing. And then he ended up having, you know, like uh, the, the wardrobe people just like throw it all in a big fucking pile and he just like figure it out, Mm -hmm. you know, which I thought, which I thought was really good. Um, but I also think the two brothers had a when it comes to separation I think they had a huge disconnect in what they saw their science actually was mm-hmm. because Elliot was I want to progress science as much as I possibly can and Beverly was more the uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this like the feelings scientist like I want to make sure that I can get in and understand every little nuance of this. Whereas, you know, your average scientist, this is going to sound terrible, but if you picked out 10 people and nine of the people were the same, you wouldn't focus on the one that wasn't right. Mm -hmm. You would focus on the, on the nine that are and get like good, useful data. Whereas Beverly was like, I want to focus on that one. That's not the same and see what makes them tick. And I think that's a piece of the dichotomy between the brothers that, it plays out kind of pretty frequently in the movie
2: yeah so we have beverly who is uh you know kind of like that hardworking, introverted scholar and physician uh who is obviously more shy around woman uh elliot is portrayed as a more confident stylish uh manipulator really uh, between the two uh who has more of that strong seductive appeal to him Uh, You know, he's the one who is always, uh, you know, courting the ladies throughout the entirety of this movie before he, you know, dumps them up to his brother. Uh, But it's important because, like, these two give off a completely different energy. Uh, And, like, that's the primary way that you are able to tell them apart uh, throughout this. And it's great because, like, because of the energy that they give off, you know, playing with that really uh, alters how a character is presented whether it is just you know the different faces that they make Uh, you know body language obviously comes into play with that as well Uh, you know it's about like you know how 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 you stand like what's your posture like or just the way that you speak with your delivery and things like that so there's a lot of nuances that definitely come into play uh, when it came into you know playing this sort of dual role in this movie uh, and, you know, there's there's the one scene in particular that I'm just like, man, this is just so fucking awkward. And it's like when they have like the the older patient. And this is back when, uh, you know, we we have the uh, particular tool coming into play that uh, is being used for kind of the wrong purpose. And, you know, like, you know, he's, like, you know, doing his job, seeing, like, what's wrong underneath the hood, sure. and she's complaining about the pain that, uh, you know, she's currently experiencing, and then they they just go on this tangent or the side story of, like, oh, yeah, well, uh... Basically, I just feel like, "Well, did you fuck your dog?" And it's just like, "Where the fuck did this come from?"
1: <laughs> oh, with a with a solid gold implement. He's mm-hmm. like, "This is solid gold. How could it possibly hurt you?" Mm-hmm. Well, but I think that's his. I think with with the Beverly character, I think that's part of his his. Uh, I almost want to say underlying psychosis is that he's he's trying so hard to understand people that have been and I'm guessing on a hospital chart deemed a different in Mm -hmm. some way, shape or form is that it's gotta be something explosive. Right. And it's like, yeah, did you go out and fuck your German shepherd? Like, like, so like what could possibly, it wouldn't just be, you know, uh, I don't, I I feel just so fucking weird talking about this, but (laughs) like, okay, like like it couldn't be like a normal lady thing. Right. Mm -hmm. That just is, is off the, off the scale just a little bit, you know? Um, but then i think that's a big piece of and i think you talked about it too like the dichotomy between the two brothers and how one has definitely got the the cock of the walk and the other one sort of has the slump shoulders and, and and so going back to what you said about jeremy irons being the glue of this movie um whether you like the movie or not you you have to love you have to love the acting because Uh, Jeremy Irons does such a good job and I for the love of God I I hope he got two paychecks I'm guessing that's why a lot of other people turned this down is because there weren't two paychecks because he was definitely pulling fucking double duty here um and he does it so well now going back to the fact that it's a Cronenberg movie and I think what I knew in the mid 80s about Cronenberg compared to what I know now the hard part is it sort of taints this movie um And it 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 sort of takes me to a place where it's like, well, okay, where's my body horror? Because there was there was a little bit, um, but there there wasn't a lot, you know. And the one sequence that you're talking about, the one sort of dream slash sex sequence where the um, where what's her face bites the the middle of the umbilical. I mean that was, I mean that was even for me. I was just kind of like, oh God, like whoa. You know, So that was fantastic, but it's a David Cronenberg movie, so I would expect that to be the low point, and you go up from there, and they didn't really do that, and with all of the, call them the medieval devices that Beverly had made to use, and then to your point, he later stole from an art gallery in this movie, I mean, there's so many of those that could have been used in a lot of effective ways, but... I mean, this is also the mid 80s, so it's like I, I, there's a piece of me that understands you probably couldn't have gotten away with that back then. Um, so I sort of have to forgive him. I just I honestly just wanted a little I, I needed some more. I needed some more and it just wasn't there.
2: Yeah, no- Knowing how twins have kind of like been portrayed in film, uh, you know, one of the most common tropes with any sort of like twin movie is that dynamic of having, you know, the good twin and the bad twin. Um, But in this, it's, it's more like Elliot and Bev are uh, basically one soul that have been split between, you know, two different bodies. You know, they have two, you know, dependent minds. Uh, you know, from the get go. And you know, much like the, the real life twins that, you know, they're they're based on, they are practically inseparable uh throughout the entirety of this movie. Uh and sure, like they, they each have their uh their role in the business. And um, that's like really the only time that we see them uh separated outside of uh, you know, when our C list uh you know actress comes into play and you know we have that fallen in love moment. And, of course, there's a a fairly big misunderstanding as to, uh, as to like, why. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of tension between the lovers at that point in time because, like, her assistant answers the phone and, you know, it just goes absolutely apeshit, uh, you know, over that. Because, like, oh, man, she must be cheating on me. The one person I finally feel attached to is uh, already you know, shied away from me. And it's like, nope, that's uh, not actually the case. But even if it wasn't, uh, you know, just it being Hollywood, you know, the chances that, you know, she is sleeping around with other doctors to uh, basically get prescription drugs, which does come into play in this movie. And, you know, they try to even hold it over her at at different points as well to write the prescriptions uh, in order to, like, induce the sexual... Uh, connection between the two uh, on a few occasions as well Uh, but it but it's definitely interesting just seeing how everything plays out because it's like time and time again you know you you have the initial uh like more of i'm not gonna say it's like more forceful but obviously like you had the one twin who is always like sweeping them off the feet and then the other one there is there to pick up the pieces when things start to go a little sour. <laughs> For-
1: well, yeah, that's this—that's kind of the sloppy seconds thing we talked yeah. about. Um, and with um, with Claire, I mean, so to backtrack one step, when, when you're first watching this movie, um, there's a lot of points where and I, it was honestly a good thing that it was a long time since I had seen this movie because um, the details in my 50-year-old head were like, eh. So there's there's a lot of this movie where, for me anyway, I wasn't completely sure that there was actually two different people. Okay? Um, a lot of this movie kind of gets played off like there's a multiple personality versus actual twins, right? And... It really isn't until the dinner where they sit down and have dinner together, and um, Beverly introduces Claire to Elliot, where you know that there's actually two people. Um, now, it, it could be said psychosis-wise that with the amount of drugs everyone was doing, that it still might have been one guy, and I still do I still do wonder about that. But at the same time, they pretty much cop to the fact. He's like, "Yeah, I swept you off your feet. I banged you, then I handed him off to him. What are you gonna do about it?" <laughs> and she was just like, "Well, I like that one. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing that." And you know, but then there was that conversation about like, you know, how could you tell us apart? And like that was the point, honestly, where I like, I think I would have like taken a deep drag on my cigarette and like burn somebody you know so for <laughs> for at least the next three to four weeks i'd be able to tell people apart <laughs> you know because it was uh not so subtle that uh, where beverly was getting in love but then because beverly found somebody elliot was getting jealous mm-hmm. and it was like okay so how do i how do i write this ship and I, i'll be honest I, i've got no idea
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I like how the distinction between the two is like, oh yeah, well he's just a, a couple of centimeters taller. It's like, you're just thinking, well, oh. uh, yeah, obviously she's sleeping with both of them, so it's like, well, they're going to be the same size lying down, so like that's th- that's not going to be a giveaway. Like, you would really have to know know them in order to be able to tell them apart, because even I struggled with that, with uh, some of my friends growing up who were twins. Uh, but yeah, so you not-
1: and I, see i think though i think honestly though i think that as a woman i think this is one of those this is one of the moments in the movie where they they do a lot of uh discredit to women i think a woman would be able to tell mm-hmm. i think a woman would totally know and i don't know if it's length width, girth or you know the the power of the we'll just call it the thrust but i think i think that a woman can totally tell and given how the characters are so different, um, I there's something that there's something that tells me that Elliot would fuck like Fred Astaire, and that Beverly would fuck like a jackrabbit bunny, and just be like, I just want to get. So I I I think there would be a difference, and I think she could tell. So it does a little bit of a disservice to our character Claire, who's like, I had no idea, like really, like you no idea at all. I mean. So different aftershave, nothing like knows nothing <laughs> that, that told, but I okay. Uh, I'll oh. settle down. I still it <laughs> bugged me. It bugged me because I think I think a I think I think a woman could tell.
2: I I can definitely see the angle that that you're playing here. Um, I I guess the the devil's advocate to that would be just knowing the fact that the two of them basically dress identical, uh, and knowing that. They share everything. Who's to say that, you know, they don't wear the same cologne?
1: And valid, valid point. But I just (laughs) I still think and you know, as well as I do, part of your personality comes out in how Mm. you fuck. Right. It it comes out in how you fuck. So I I think even if and people have moods, people at one day, they're like super social and one day they're not they're withdrawn, whatever. But I just think that I think that when you get down to the uh, part in the silk sheets, I think that when that's your your purest and truest self. So I don't think that you would change that. So I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe I am wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong. So we should give her a little more credit, because she was trying at least to go, which twin do I like the most? Mm -hmm. Hmm. So... The Dueling Sabres, in the end, one of them's got to (laughs) win.
2: Yeah, it's it's so hard to say, though, just because, like, with how many drugs were in their system, I I feel like that wouldn't uh, help matters into, like, knowing who was who at that point in time.
1: Well, and I think that's probably the, the one dynamic of this movie that leaves me out in the cold a little bit, because I'm not... I'm not someone who's ever been into any kind of drugs at all. I mean, it, it, hey, if you if you like drugs, hey, go live your life. I don't give a fuck. Doesn't affect me at all. Um, but I don't really have a good, a good handle on like, okay, so how fucked up would I be? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I like my core's light and I like to have a good time or whatever. But like, I've never woke up in bed and gone, who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not something that ever happens to me, you know? So um, I think that, you know I mean and and all things being equal. it's like this is now into the mid over the mid hump of the eighties, so I think the the sort of you know late sixties all the way up through maybe about nineteen eighty four um I think that that period of time was kind of done, so it's like, and as much as I was alive, then I was not sexually active at ten, so um. <laughs> I don't have any, like, frame of reference. So it's, like, as far as, you know, the barbiturates and the quaaludes and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, I don't fucking know. You know, I it, it doesn't really tell me anything. Um, but with the people and the characters, um, and especially, obviously, the, the two brothers, I mean, with the demons, the two brothers were fighting, like, through the whole movie, and demons being career, demons being the quality of their practice, demons being the pursuit for knowledge. Um, it's like, there was definitely a point, and especially more towards the end of the movie, where it's like, there was a point where I could not tell the brothers apart. Like, I didn't know who was who anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we have to get you clean. And it's like, let's get you clean, okay? Wait, wait which one? Which one am I getting clean? Because it's like, the other one started popping pills too. And it's like, so, like, why are you popping pills and it's like is it that stressful dealing with your brother i mean i i can see it you know i've you know i've had an aged parent who was in the throes of things and it would be like a terrible thing i can't imagine if it was my twin brother and trying to like you know navigate that cauldron of death i like i don't even know you know so yeah, fuck. Another movie that you're fucking making me respect you. God, you bastard. I hate when you do this. It's just like I'll just get him to talk about it. and He'll change his fucking mind, and here you're going <laughs> and doing again. Oh,
2: it's uh, it's <clears throat> it, it's that fresh approach of uh, you know the more you talk, the more information you uh, come to understand.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs>
2: Uh, But yeah, of course, like at its core, though, a lot of this is centering around just separation and how just absolutely fucking terrifying uh, that can be. So we have Beverly, who uh, has that descent into a mental collapse, uh, also drug addiction, which uh, had gone along with that. And uh, of course, that inevitably will deliver both twins to. Yeah, pretty terrible fate, uh, which we will get into. Uh, but what, what's interesting is just, you know, knowing Cronenberg's earlier work and then, you know, getting up to this point, It's we have basically uh, gone away with the more, uh, like, visceral approach in regards to, like, the blood and the gore. And this one is, it's honestly more of just, like, an emotional... Uh, affliction in this case, with with you know, just centering around uh like the disintegration of the mind as opposed to like decaying flesh, uh like what we had seen in some of his other movies uh, leading up to this. Uh,
1: well, and that's definitely that's definitely the surprise here with this one is the is the and I think you said it perfectly, like the psychological decay, um, and but I think there's other there's other decay involved in here and it's something that'll like not a lot of movies touch on because they show you that like the one brother Elliot is giving like a symposium on something and he has to leave it early because Beverly is in his office and is like curled up in a ball and shaking and then you know Beverly ends up collapsing and ends up in the hospital um so I think that's and maybe not something that everybody necessarily understands, but like for these two, it's like their careers, their credibility, everything were intertwined, Mm -hmm. you know? And I would think for someone who's like maybe ever been partners in a business or something like that, like you totally would get that. But the, the, the weird, um, entrenched and intertwined, um, there's it almost becomes, again, one personality. And when one, when one half of that personality starts to falter, the other half just inevitably starts to falter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's almost nothing the other one can do about it. You know, when it, when it's too late, it's too late. Um, and this this movie, it, it does a great job of showing that.
2: Yeah, basically, if one of them goes down, down goes the rest of the ship, uh, which is, you know, really why when it comes to like the rehabilitation process uh you know the the twin has to be there for his his brother like he's not looking for professional help he's looking to be the one to do everything uh you know he's the one to get in uh groceries delivered like we had postmates for fuck's sakes uh displayed in this movie in the 1980s which is just absolutely crazy to think about like i you know it's like you have just like delivery guy just showing up and like okay cool like a lot of people probably wouldn't have known that was a a, a thing uh, back then.
1: Well, if you had enough money back then, it was a thing, you know. And now it's just a thing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll, so, I'll, um, with
2: technology, you know, you can literally order anything; it will be at your house.
1: It, literally anything. <laughs> 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 and I'm—that's as far as I'm going to go with that. Um, but no, but I mean, but and that was honestly, and I think for a lot of 80s and maybe even in the early 90s movies, I mean, there's a lot of movies that use that. Mm -hmm. Like, we're, we're, I'm going to say isolated. I'm not going to say secluded because I think secluded was a different thing, but we're isolated and we have to do this thing. And someone just, you know, someone just brought us our groceries or or did whatever else. Um, And that was like like a mind blowing thing, right? Where now you can just go on your phone and you can have somebody bring you McDonald's, which is just honestly gross. To, like just Yeah, that's exactly what America needs. Faster access to things that will kill you early in life. Perfect. <laughs> um but I think it also shows it does a good job of showing where they are on their at least mental hierarchy that they're still they're still up here and they're fighting to stay up there. Um, and then as things start to really go, and then, especially like when Claire comes back and, and he has to explain, or she has to explain that, oh, that was just my assistant and he's as gay as a $3 bill. So you don't need to worry about him. But then like they get, you know, they get everybody back together and it's like, and he's trying to like write her a prescription, just take this and go and do this, you know? And yeah. it's. The one, uh, the one of the things I loved about this movie was the desperation feel because the desperation was fucking palpable. It was just, and I think we've all been in a place at one time or another for whatever reason where we've been desperate. This movie, it it makes you put your your finger on your wrist and go, "Am I desperate right now?" And you have to check and just just to check to see if you're desperate. And and I'm I'm hoping most people aren't, but uh, this did a good job of saying. This is about how this would look. And it's like when you're a doctor and you're writing prescriptions to somebody else to go out and get drugs for you and you're you're having people bring food to you so you can sort of detox your twin brother also while trying to realize that you probably need to detox too. And then your C list actress girlfriend comes in and she probably needs to detox too. I mean, it's like I, I can you imagine that world or that dynamic? And it's like for me, it's like I would do everything I could do to stay away from that shit. But at the same time, we've all been in a bad place, so it's like, yeah, it makes it very, makes it very real world, and it makes it pretty easy to swallow.
2: Yeah, because even during the the rehab process, uh, we do see. The twin like turn into another vice because he takes up smoking, <laughs> you know, in, in the room as well. So it's like, yeah, that's technically maybe like the lesser of two evils here. But, you know, you're still not doing your body any help uh, in that regard either. So it's like uh, you're kind of like damned if you do and damned if you don't.
1: Are you talking to me? No, if you are. <laughs> thank you. But go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs> uh, I know. I know plenty of people who are uh, avid smokers and, and some some are just two packs a day. And I'm like, oh, my God, like you, there's definitely a point where it becomes like. You know, a bit much. Uh, what I find interesting, though, is like, obviously, like this movie came out after The Fly, which came out in 1986, Uh, you know, obviously that was a huge success for, for Cronenberg at the time. And it, it really felt, uh, like Cronenberg had to fight just to make this movie. It it got to the point where he basically had to set up his own production company, uh, you know, in order to, you know, keep the project afloat, uh, in this, uh, you know, as the, uh, that the group that he was with, the DeLaurinitis group, uh, which were the initial financial backers, uh, basically like circling a drain up up at that point in time uh and you know it, it did manage to you know obviously the film got made uh he got it into you know the movie theaters in 1988 uh really the the only difference was the fact that uh it wasn't under the original title which was twins uh which was also kind of like the novel that this was loosely based off of as well
1: Yeah, no, I think it came it was uh, it was part of the Dino De Laurentiis group but then I think it was uh the wife of Laurentis that ended up like quote unquote fronting the money to get it made cuz he was all over the place as far as financing went. It was I mean there was a whole bunch of different groups that were like hey, we're in, hey, we're out, hey, you owe us money, hey, how come you didn't pay us. And it was kind of all over the place, but yeah, and then with the fly, I mean not to go off on a tangent, but the fly is a mm-hmm. fucking, it's a fucking masterpiece. So it's, um, yeah, God damn. What, why, why do you do this to me? You make me like a movie. Son of a bitch. Okay. I got to just quit this shit. Cause I can't keep doing this to myself. <laughs> changing, changing my fucking mind. Mid recording. Cause, uh, this movie, you know, ultimately it's, it, it, like I said, the dynamic between the brothers is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that I just don't get. And maybe it's because I'm not completely drug-addled and I'm not out of my mind. Um maybe what I need to do when I'm feeling a little bit healthier is sit down, take a handful of barbiturates and then just watch this movie and maybe maybe it'll finally hit me. Um the themes in this movie are there. Mm-hmm. You know, the separation you talked about is there. The dynamics between twins who one wants to be one thing and one wants to be the other but they're also in the same vein really they are but they want to be different you know that's there um the story is well told there's some there's some hiccups and some bumps in the road but i mean that's any movie so that's okay um but just the i'm gonna say it again and you said it earlier, so I'm just copying you, but Jeremy Irons really is the glue that's held this movie together. Um, And he did it so fantastically. And I do love the fact, because now, once again, you made me fucking think about this shit. In the beginning of the movie, I could tell exactly which twin was which.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: By by the middle, I was like, yeah, I think I got it. And by the end, I couldn't tell. And that is nothing short of spectacular acting. And fucking bugs me that you made me think about it like that but okay that's where we're at so god damn it yeah i I mean you know i'm gonna watch this again when i'm not you know i don't have eight pounds of snot in my head and i'm just and whatever else um but you made me think about it enough tonight that i now have a headache so thank you for that um but i don't don't think this is ever going to be one of his like absolutely glorious movies but it definitely had a story to tell it's it's fun watching the characters evolve while they also de-evolve which is honestly something of a an, an accomplishment when it comes to a movie um you know taking twins and and having them finally find their own separate ground all while crumbling that's that's pretty impressive um damn it Okay, I'll <laughs> shut up. But shit. Okay.
2: Yeah, something, something that we haven't even touched on was, uh, you know, really early in the movie, we see the twins as uh, when they were kids. Uh, and you know they're they're oh, having God. a conversation about <laughs> no, sex. No, I
1: was hoping <laughs> I was hoping you'd leave this one out.
2: No, well, I'm I, I, I'm 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 only going to uh, to say one quote for this, and this is a, at the later half of this. So oh, so basically, what happens is uh, they are very uh, they they approach one of uh, you know the the other kids, a female at that. Uh, basically asking for sex and just like she's like so off put by like i'm gonna go tell my parents that you're a pervert uh but but you know there's this whole conversation about uh whether humans can fuck fish (laughs) and and they're just like I, i i think the direct quote was like you know i've discovered why sex is you know it's because humans don't live underwater and the whole time you know as we're watching this i'm just thinking like well we we've all seen a woman fuck the fish man, like you know, we've that's a uh, different movie, <laughs> you know, years years later. But it's just like that was like the like the first steps into like knowing like okay, obviously sex is gonna be a very important part of this movie, uh, and of course they circle back to it like with the whole you know dog scene, uh, with the, with the inspection. So you know, it's it, it's either by water well, or by land in this case.
1: Well, okay, so if the if that discussion you're talking about when they're both – they can't be more than 11 or 12, yeah, yeah, right? They really can't am. be. Um, if, that, if that scene is not paying homage to uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying to the neighbor girl, hey, would you like to come to our house and have sex with us in our bathtub? It's an experiment. And she's just like – and she literally is like, what the fuck, you crazy fucks, fuck you, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean – And I think for the time in the movie, that was such a a kind of a profound reaction. Just like, and they're just both like, what? Like, we don't understand. We had this super deep intellectual (laughs) discussion on the way over here, and we just thought you want to be part of our next discovery. So, but it does tell you something about the character, characters, I suppose, as the movie goes on and how they are both somehow in their own ways, removed from reality. Like, they don't, you know, it, it's also as so though that they were, when they were, when their zygote divided, and then it was time to have two of them, they each got half the common sense. <laughs> because if you had all of your common sense, you would never ask a 12-year-old girl that. <laughs> Ever. You know? But I think it feeds into the movie, and it, and it keeps, it, it keeps on a string of, like, ever-increasing sort of awkward um, interactions but at the same time just like so we're doing this thing next and no one ever stops to ask why mm-hmm.
2: yeah absolutely uh, my brother in law keeps blowing up my phone as we're recording of course
1: well tell him to fuck off you're busy I told him
2: I'm recording a podcast god it I will call you I'm, in thirty minutes.
1: <laughs> I am. I am having dirty fish sex. Go away. <laughs> I'm trying to find Nemo. Damn it! Let me find him yeah. or her. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> we don't judge here.
2: Yeah, and and to uh, and to go find a Nemo, I'm gonna touch the
1: butt. <laughs> exactly right. Yep. <Yeah>. So okay. <laughs> okay. I is. Somebody needs to paint me a picture of Nemo, of Nemo with the one bad fin, but also a spiked collar. Nemo, who had one bad fin and a spiked collar with a vibrating... Never mind. Forget it. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Good times. So, uh... Uh, definitely. yeah. Well, I don't... Yeah, so I don't it, I...
2: I don't even know where we left off before the the whole fish like conversation.
1: <laughs> um, well, I think we were getting close to the end, and then and then there were they had the. So, Beverly goes to the art gallery because because he did have the he did have that one awkward surgery where he was trying to use all these things and people were like, "What the fuck is going on?" and they stopped him. the The curious part to me is how did those all those things end up then in an art gallery? Like, it, it was some nurse like? I think this guy on the corner that would love this stuff, and he like just took him. But
2: well, that's the thing because it, sometimes... it's like we we had the prototype, which were the ones that were at the art oh. gallery. Okay, so but, like it's those the guy. those were like fully fleshed out though, like the ones that we actually saw like on the operating table, because the the size dynamic between the two were just night and day differential.
1: Oh yeah, but on that platform, and it said gynecological tools, <laughs> and it's like yeah for mutant women. I, I, for mutant women yeah and it's like well i mean so the whole statement in and of itself is a little bit weird and shocking i can see how it's artsy but like in your daily life however how often do you hear the word gynecological it's just mm-hmm. like yeah and then to see them and then they have beverly like like as he's walking down the sidewalk and he's clearly in drug withdrawals now he's just mm-hmm. like he walks out he's got like puke on his coat he's like walk, he's, and then he stops and he pukes in a bush next to the next to the art gallery but then he goes inside and he's like these are mine and i'm taking them and she's like no they're not and she i think he gets like four of the seven you know Mm -hmm. um but the one in particular you know at the end of the we'll call it the end of the brother's journey we'll call it um when beverly now because elliot now is as drug addled as he is you know he puts him on the table and he's like he's like hey you don't want to feel the pain right don't forget and he's like okay and then he's he's whacking that needle and he's like oh don't waste it you know and i'm just and I, before we finish the end I that there's like two things i want to point out about this drug addled people bother me a lot and people that snivel bother me a lot and i think that probably is the one thing in this movie because Beverly is often sniveling in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it makes me want to hit him about the head and face. A lot. <laughs> um it, It's just something that, I mean, people, when you're, when you're trying to find your own destiny in the world and you just succumb to the least common denominator, it's like, well, then you fucking get what you get. Otherwise shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, so with these two brothers and, It's interesting to watch how the one glamorous, ambitious, um, you know, super knowledgeable brother actually sinks to the level of the other. I mean, it's for having been made in 1986, it's almost like Cronenberg was looking looking ahead to now because that's what people are doing, kind of in general. You know, our society is not rising up; we are sinking. Um, But to watch Beverly start performing this surgery is you know and the one scene where you see the blood come down and then go through the chair and come out and he's just he's so high or whatever it is like he doesn't have any idea mm-hmm. and then he wake he wakes up the next day and he's like and he's not even saying elliot he's like l l and he just keeps reporting putting uh, l l and he walks outside to the payphone and calls our t-list actress and he's like and he doesn't even talk to her though. He just kind of like, he kind of stares at the phone and just goes, and then hangs the payphone back up, and goes back into what is left of their practice. And that practice looks like a shithole now. The place is fucking mm-hmm. destroyed. Um, and then the last scene where he's just like curled up dead in his brother's arms. Um, it, another one of those scenes where it's like super profound, but then there's also a piece of me where it's like, well, why? I mean, at like at this point. I mean like what physically killed him you know like why did he die I mean did he was he just so strung out that that was the end his body had just quit was he understanding that he had killed his brother and that was traumatic and that could I think because I mean people people do die of a quote unquote broken heart we Mm -hmm. talked about that earlier so is that what it was and it's like yeah getting to the end it was just like uh, well okay so, everyone's dead. okay, perfect. um and I sort of get it, but it's the explanation was a little bit lacking for me, and that's like one of the things I like and I mean and i'm I'm a simple guy. I like being told what happened a lot of times um at the same time, and I said it earlier, the dynamic between the two brothers was amazing in this movie um and the acting was I mean, amazing as well um but getting to the end it's like i think the thing that i keep asking myself is and i know that it's based on a true story so it sort of makes sense but it's like why did it have to end that way mm-hmm. like is there what there wasn't one of them that could have been like okay this is fucked up i gotta get out of here you know and especially the one that had you know a solid lady that he was trying to build something with you know mm-hmm. so Maybe I'm just too much of a fucking romantic, but it's like, <laughs> I kind of always, I kind of always want the guy to like get the girl in the end. And this guy just got a fucking a black zippered bag and a toe tag. And it's like, oh, well, that's kind of disappointing.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because like, even after uh they kind of like get back together, you know, after the whole uh, mental breakdown and all of the drug use, Uh, you know, you, you have the two, like, uh, you have the actress and Elliot who are, you know, trying to, like, I'm not gonna say, like, be friends, but, like, they're trying to, like, mend that sort of, like, relationship because, like, she does want to, you know, be with Beverly, uh, and, you know, Elliot, of course, is, like, trying to, I'll play it up, well, it's like, yeah, well, like, I, I could play along with it more, uh, I'll, I'll lean into that relationship more, but, like, you know, you need to give me something in return. So, like, he's still, like, holding that, you know, power of sexuality over her uh, in order to, like, try to, like, win her over and to just be more accepting uh, to his younger brother on his case, which was, uh, you know, obviously kind of, like, an expected move on on his part. Uh, but getting to the surgery scene in particular, you know, obviously, you know, we see... uh Wellix tools come into play here. Uh and you know, you see just a horrified look on all of the surgical team's face. Uh just you know glancing at one another as like they're seeing like this equipment that is being brought in for uh you know the surgery. And you know, of course, you know we we see that moment where you know obviously uh Beverly is completely pie out of his fucking mind. You know he drops one of the tools on the ground and then just collapses on top of the patient uh which you know causes you know all sorts of issues uh in, in that scene that that was really like the point where okay we've officially hit rock bottom like the medical career is just completely shattered at this point in time uh we have Elliot Locke and Beverly inside the clinic uh to you know basically try to clean himself up uh, trying to uh take pills himself in order to like I, it, it's it's hard to say. Like, is he doping himself up to try to like be in uh, synchronization with Beverly at that yeah. point in time? Because that's definitely what it felt like.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's the only way from his standpoint that he could understand what his brother was going through is that he had to be on equal footing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then I think he also quickly figured out that, you know, being on equal footing was like. A legit place to be. And he did. So you have one brother who's trying to come out of it, one who's trying to help the other brother, but brings himself down to that level, but then also understands that to keep falling is easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just easier. You know, it, 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 there's to, to go through life looking like a dumbass and to go through life failing is far easier than to pull up your bootstraps and to keep succeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it takes a lot less effort, you know, and, If you have enough drugs in your system, it turns out you just don't give a shit. So I think that's probably what he was trying to do was just trying to, because the dichotomy between the two brothers, like when they were kids, they showed it it to you as the kids when they were trying to get the neighbor girl to get in the bathtub, okay? They were completely in sync. And then as they go on, when you first meet the two brothers as adults, they show you that it's very different. And I think that ever stretching dichotomy between the two is a part of what was crushing them both, mm. even though Elliot seemed like he was just suave and debonair and going out and he was getting all the ladies and having all the success. um I honestly don't think it was his brother failing that was crushing him. I think it was the disconnection that was crushing him. Mm. So and uh, here we are again, you fucking it, God damn it, dude. <laughs> why do you keep doing this to me? making me think about these movies in terms I've never thought of before. So anyway, that that's what I think. I think the disconnection was what was killing Elliot. And for Beverly, it was the disconnection between him and well, what the fuck was her name? Whatever her name was. Claire. Claire. That was, it was that disconnection. So, so Elliot was facing both a disconnection from his brother, but then also watching his brother pull away into something different. So, it's one of those things that like realistically, if you get to the end of it, I think Beverly was probably the only one that actually had a chance to get on alive. And once he, cause I think he still had it in his head that even though he had talked to Claire, I think that he still had it in his head that there was something going on that he couldn't control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and once his narcissistic brother was dead, it was like, I think with their twin dynamic, it's like when half of him was gone, there's not much left to kill. Right.
2: And it it got to the point where, um, you know, they're they're kind of like celebrating like a mock birthday. And, uh, you know, we're at the point where Elliot is just kind of at his wit's end at this point, basically volunteering uh, to be killed as a way to uh, fully separate the two at at this point, much like a Siamese twin, Uh, you know, just, you know, so he allows Beverly to, you know, kind of be out on his own, live his own life and not feel, you know, so, you know, attached to his brother uh, at that point. You know, we, we have that moment of uh, disembowelment uh, between Beverly and Elliot on the examination table, uh, which, of course, was also with that, you know, claw-like instrument uh, that was part of the, you know, exhibit uh, with Wellick. Uh, which you know he had been planning to use on his patient, uh, you know, during the surgery scene, uh, as well. But yeah, just just seeing like how much of you know a mess, you know, their lives had become, just how turned upside down, like the entire clinic was to just seeing just the paperwork literally everywhere. You now you had the their secretary basically threatening to, uh to quit because. You know, Elliot was, uh you know, shooting up in the uh, in his office, basically. Like, you know, I just I can't I can't work like this. And you know, just seeing that slow decay over the course of time. But yeah, at at the end though, like I I completely understand what you're meaning, but like what actually happened to the other brother, and you know, just knowing that they really were like one shared soul. Like it, the easy assumption is to just say like, you know, there couldn't be one without the other.
1: Well yeah, and there definitely are certain um certain cultures and, and I'm not gonna go into which cultures those are, but there are certain cultures that do believe that twins share soul. Mm-hmm. Um so when when one dies the other has now become a half of the whole, right? Um because the, the, the one constantly feeds off the other and they go back and forth until one is gone. Um still, I mean Watching the ambitious and suave brother bring himself down to the level of the, we'll call it the hurting brother, um, it, it gives me two distinct feelings, and one is much stronger than the other, so I will just bear with me here. The first one is understanding your love for your brother and what you would do for him. The other piece of it is why not just let this shitbag rot? Um, And I think it's an easy thing to say, but then I think to look through the lens of it's your brother, that would be a harder thing to do. Um, And so, what lengths would you go to to keep your brother alive, afloat, Um, you know, making his way through the world when you've spent so much of your life? Effectively feeding your brother. I mean, everything from um, just keeping him alive through his drug addiction to feeding him his supply of women to, you know, uh, making sure that he has everything that he wants because you are the quote-unquote better of the two. And I think maybe that's the biggest point of this movie is that you get to the end of it and nobody's better. Mm-hmm. You know, the better thing just doesn't really matter and When you find your, because I mean, I often heard twins referred to as like soulmates, right? And that's what twins often are. And it's like, when you have your soulmate, it's like, like, why do you fight the fight? Why don't you just live the life? And when you fight the fight, I think this is ultimately the, a lot of times the end that you find yourself in where you're both dead anyway, you know, just be who you are, you know, live your best life, and if the other one can do something for you or be part of it, that's great. But don't let um, the other half drag you down. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I mean, I think we saw that pretty pretty black and white.
2: Yep, absolutely. A lot of, a lot of codependency uh, in this case. Um, but yeah, I really don't have too much else in my notes. Uh, I know you and I were talking uh, pre-show about plans for October. Um, obviously, you know we are really smack dab in the middle of spooky season at this point in time. Uh, you know, we do have some, I'm not gonna say big releases, but you know they're they're traditional, Halloween movies coming out in October. Uh, We also had some recent stream releases and one that, uh, you know, kind of was released at a bad time in theaters when it really should have, you know, come out when The Nun 2 came out. But, uh, you know, same studio. So that was never going to happen. Um, So uh, what we're going to do throughout October and we got, you know, four uh, recordings for October, uh, we're going to be looking at uh Cobweb which was uh, uh one that I saw I know you haven't seen this yet this was one that came out in theaters the same week as Barbie and Oppenheimer uh terrible week to get released uh in yeah, the what, theaters so it was quiet, quite quite really. release <laughs> um so that'll be a good one to to revisit I had a lot of fun with that one and hopefully you will too um you know you would mention no one will save you uh which was the new Hulu original that dropped uh, this past Friday, which I did watch after Twisted Tuesday last night, uh, so we'll definitely hit that one up, but of eh, course
1: eh, 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 eh. What was your comment? What did you say? It was, what was the one?
2: I said uh, it was Immaculate
1: Okay, thank you <laughs> <laughs> Alright, just now,
2: checking Now that being said, like I, I've i talked to like a few of my uh, like horror artist friends and I know some of them are more middling on it compared to me, but I I I knew based on the director that I was probably going to really enjoy it, and I did so. Uh, But other than that, obviously, the two big October releases in theaters. Uh, We got Saw 10 coming out on Friday this week. Uh, We also had The Exorcist Believer coming out uh, the week after that. Which, you know, I know you and I have a lot of mixed feelings going into that one uh for a number of reasons uh which we'll get into uh but you know we'll see i know the early word of mouth has been absolutely not good <laughs> um so we'll uh we'll have to wait with bated breath on that one uh but you know there's there are so many uh, you know, 2023 releases that have just kind of been, like, all over the place. So, you know, this could be a, a, a really good month to kind of fixate on the good, the bad, and the ugly of 2023 horror. And I think we're going to get uh, all three of them, in it, in this case, truthfully.
1: Oh, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, 2023, I, we talked last week about 2022 being, like, the year of glory, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, I mean, it... Between the two of us, I mean, full count, 400 views of 2023 movies, which is honestly just like, we should probably find something else to do, (laughs) but, um, but we didn't. So, um, and 2023 has been, I honestly just flat as hell. There has not been, well, okay. I've said it before. Birth Rebirth is the best of 2023 so far, without a doubt. Um, Uh, no one will save you is in my number two slot i'm I'm hoping something else takes that because i'm just hoping for the next best thing Mm -hmm. um when it comes to the exorcist you know what i've i've seen the trailers um i you know i'm gonna go into it i'm gonna try to go into it a little more open-minded um i think that i think that it could be good if i don't uh Put all my preconceived notions up against it, and then uh, obviously the original Exorcist up against it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has potential, so I'm gonna kind of work with that. The Saw movie, um, to be to be honest, I'm excited for it because of the timing, because it's supposed to take place like three weeks after the original Saw. Um, I think that has I think that has an opportunity to be really good. Um, so we'll see it. I mean, and Saw movies being what they are. I've seen every Saw movie. Um, I There was a point where I was in my, we'll call it my horror low, is where I was like, it better be greater, fuck it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: even like when I saw Spiral, I turned Spiral off. And then I came back to it like a year later. It turns out that was okay. It was an okay movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great, but it was an okay movie. So um, I've always watched Saw for the Traps. I'm an engineer. I, I love the Traps. I just love them. Um, so I think this one has 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 an opportunity to be really good. Um, Cobweb, I have not seen as we've discussed. Um, the trailer and the previews look fucking phenomenal. They look great. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Now I gotta try to find the son of a bitch, which could be fun. Um, but turns out you'll probably find them for Twisted Tuesday, so that works out. Um, so that one that one I think has got it. Either has glory or complete failure written all over it I'm not sure yet mm-hmm. and you and I have not discussed how you feel about it yet so mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll leave that for later um and then the uh, the other one um, no one will save you um one of the rare movies that it was like oh I I heard about it somehow I honestly don't remember how I heard about it and then I watched it and I was just like it was a, there was a wow factor there like a true wow factor um And I was surprised because, like I said before, the first act is a little bit of a grind. Um, But I suppose they don't call me Grindhouse for nothing. So, um... That one was spectacular. I'll just say it now. It was fucking spectacular. Um, And I'm looking forward to watching it again. Um, From there, I mean... If the rest of the year doesn't give us anything to really just... You know, jiggle our balls at, I'm not sure what's going to. Um but we're so close now it's like i'm i'm honestly comfortable calling 2023 for horror the year of the dud mm-hmm. because there has not been anything great i i haven't seen a 10 yet mm-hmm. so um like i said I, I don't have access to your list so i don't know what you've seen but the th- chatty we've done i'm not sure you've seen a 10 yet either um so but so, so so i mean so there we are so maybe this is the year without a 10 and you know what that's okay Horror is what it is.
2: Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I started the year being like, "Okay, I'm gonna try to do the un- unprecedented and try to like see as many VOD releases as I can right out of the gate." And I did that for January, <laughs> and that was my list was already at. Okay, hold on, let me let me pull it up. Uh, okay, let's see, how many movies did I watch? I had watched
1: uh, 28 movies. In one month? In one month, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> um, and uh, you, should, you should go outside and talk to people, dude. You, you really should.
2: <laughs> and out Just of, saying. Out of those 28, let's see. I I it out of five. Let's see how many I gave above Four.
1: Four. Really? Yeah. Okay.
2: Which well. were uh, Sick, which was on Peacock, uh, The Price We Pay, Dormouse, which I wouldn't necessarily say is horror; It's more like Crime Noir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Oh, wait. I have five. Uh, Signal 100 was another good one, which was on Screenbox, yep. uh, yep. and Infinity Pool was the other one.
1: I added a four. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: But, but, yeah, e- I think... but either way, like, I would say early, like, the early months, my my aggregate rating was probably two across the board. <laughs> you know, so it's like, ugh. doesn't really set, like, a good precedent for, like, how the remainder of 2023 is going to be.
1: No, I completely agree. I think I have, looking at my list now, um... And this is pretty much every movie. I I I've gotten to the point. I mean, ninety nine percent of what what I watch is horror, so I just right. put every movie in here. But I mean, when I get down to the top ten, and I I, I go on a, on a scale of ten, mm-hmm. so like my top ten movie number ten is a six. So on your scale, that's a three. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> there has not been. And there's a lot of sixes in there. There's, I mean, there's a couple that I think if I were to revisit. Eh, there's okay there's there's one that I revisited that went up went up to an 8 there's one that I went down uh, uh, and and this is funny um uh, one that I revisited that went actually down and that was Infinity Pool um but I mean so I mean it, it kind of comes and goes it's just kind of how it works but yeah I mean overall for horror I mean not not a good damn year and you know what that's okay we've got I mean we know that people or the the, the latest uh, George Romero zombie movie now has a director. That's a good thing. Twilight of the Dead. We know that the the rights to Halloween are being shot by Miramax. That's a good thing, because I mean at least we don't have David Gorgon to fuck those all up again. Um, I, I, there's potential everywhere. So I think we just kind of kind of hold our breath and see what happens. Because you know. Again, kind of like being a twin, like if you if you if you hitch your horse to one thing and you expect it to be good, it, it's probably not going to be. But, you know, there's always there's always the next twin or the next year or the next whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully good things coming. That's what we're talking. Good things coming.
2: Absolutely. So uh, with that being said, next week we'll hit the new release, which would be Saw 10 uh, coming out in theaters this Friday or Thursday. If you're catching a preview show, which uh, I know you, you said you were doing, I'll be seeing it on Friday in the Dolby, uh, which is going to be interesting. We'll see how that uh, is going to play around with the moving audio on that front. Because uh, I'm pretty sure like, my MC was splitting the Dolby uh, showings between The Creator, uh, which also comes out this week, uh, and Saw Ten, yeah. and I I want to say Saw Ten only had like one show in, in the Dolby. Uh, so kind of kind of oh, tells you which movie they think is going to perform better,
1: really. <laughs> well, and that's and that's just logistics, and that's what that's what theaters do. That's mm-hmm. fine, you know. And and here's here's a reality: from Thursday into Friday, that could change depending on how how many people show up, right. you know. And and we've discussed this before. I'm a new movie horror, so I'm gonna go see the newest thing as quickly as i can if i'm interested and with saw i'm definitely interested yeah so i'll i'm gonna see it tomorrow i think it's six so i'll i'll put some shit in the discord about what i thought Mm -hmm. um you know without spoiling anything i mean it's a Saw movie i'm not sure what you can actually (laughs) fucking spoil what Um, the traps are (laughs)
0: that's
1: basically (laughs) i mean at at this point jigsaw has been dead for like 25 (laughs) fucking years so it's like so I'm, i'm not sure i can spoil anything but um At the same time, I'm still... This is one of the few that I've been genuinely excited for this year. So um, the other one, and I know it came out, um, and I forget which platform it was on, but uh, it was making the festival rounds earlier this year when I saw Birth Rebirth, but I could not make the scheduling work. Um, But there's a movie called The Black Girl and Her Monster, um, and it's it's supposed to be a Frankenstein-esque. So that one I'm excited to see too. So... Um, if we end up with a, a place where we need to, you know, have a, a bonus segment, I think maybe that one probably might be worth it. Cause I've heard really good things about that.
2: So. Yeah. That one's on shutter
1: shutter. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So,
2: I it's, well, I pulled up shutter and it's literally the first thing on there.
1: <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. I have to do, to do that.
2: Yeah. Cause, Cause that's, I know that has been on my was... radar too. Um, okay. It probably, I don't know if okay. It was it's right on the newly added, so it probably dropped there within like the past week or so.
1: Yes, because it was not there three days ago, so it's been it's been very very recent. Okay, well that works for me because I that was on my list. um, You know, and I think I think I've told you before when when it comes out to the Minneapolis uh, International Film Festival, Mm -hmm. I always focus in on the horror just because it's what I do and I. I, I can't help myself. So it was on our list and we just couldn't, we just couldn't make it work. Um, but so maybe I'll see if the wife is interested in maybe watching that one because I can play the international film festival card and then she'll be like, Oh, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> so, you know what? Hey, I, I play the cards I'm dealt, man. That's what I do. So. Yep.
2: Uh, Got to play the cards and then, uh, you know, next week we're going back to deadly games. with Saw Ten, so It should be a good time. Uh, sounds outstanding. Sounds, all right. Uh, so with that being said, guys, that will do it for us here tonight on Hand with Scare. This wraps up our atrophobia deep dive in horror. And uh, we'll see you next week for our, uh, I guess, kickstart of uh, Halloween season, even though, you know, we celebrate all things spooky all year round here with the Twisted Crew. So, uh you know, be sure to join us on Tuesday. I'll have to pick something else to watch uh for Tuesday since obviously I'm not going to be able to uh, stream Saw
1: 10. Uh So... Oh, just do, just do the OG Saw. I think, I think they're all on Tubi, dude. So just... Are they? Yeah, too, Tubi was getting them for the Halloween season. So... Okay. Which honestly kind of shocked me, but I think they have one through six or seven. Yeah. Okay. So go OG Saw because I'm never going to not rub myself to that movie. So... <laughs> Let's just watch that. I am good with that.
2: Yeah, that that that, that works. Uh, right. so yeah, we can do that, and it uh, it'll tie in perfectly since uh, you know the new one
1: takes place
2: right after that. So
1: makes yeah makes perfect for sense. the for the Exorcist. We'll find I don't know. We'll we'll find um. Oh, what was the movie? I'm I'm being a complete purvo here, but hang on a second, because it just totally makes sense.
2: Are you talking about the spoof?
1: Um, no, I'm talking about. Hang on, because I'm going to sneeze a whole bunch more. (laughs) Um.
2: My my mind immediately goes to repossessed.
1: Oh, no, totally. Yeah, no, I got you there. I'm thinking I'm thinking more way more depraved than that. Um, what the fuck was that movie called? God damn it. Uh. I know this is taking too long. My apologies. <laughs> well, you know how it works. Sometimes you just can't. Uh...
2: Sometimes your brains works. And uh, sometimes it doesn't. What
1: the hell? What the hell was that movie that Linda Blair was in that was wildly inappropriate? But like Jess would dig it completely.
2: I don't know. Are you talking about? Well, OK. How old was she in this movie? Because the only other one that I could actually think of is Savage
1: Streets. Oh, uh, that might be it. The one, no, the one, the one, the one where she was in prison. That one is that "Savage Streets," "Chained Heat," "Chained Heat." Okay, that one, "Chained Heat." I knew I was it back of my stupid old head for some so "Chained <laughs> Heat" because that's not a weird movie at all. Mm-hmm. So why the hell not? <laughs> so that'll be our. That'll be our celebration of exorcist is watching Jane eat. (laughs) And if you don't think for a second that Jess would like that, I'm sorry, sir, you are incorrect.
2: I'm sure she would, but anyways, uh, we'll see you guys on Tuesday for the original saw. Hope you guys enjoy saw 10 in theaters. And if you're not seeing that, uh, you know, maybe there's something else that will uh, catch your fancy. Like, uh, you know, the creator who knows in the meantime, uh, that will do it for us here tonight on Handed with Scare. I've been your host, Totally Drug, joined as always by host Grindhouse Zombie. And we'll see you guys back next week. You guys take care.